Hi, and welcome to the Veterans Legal Lowdown, brought to you by Chisholm, Chisholm, and Kilpatrick, a law firm representing veterans nationwide. In each episode, we break down a different VA disability topic or share our take on the latest VA benefit news. This is the Veterans Legal Lowdown with Chisholm, Chisholm, and Kilpatrick. I'm Christian McTarnigan. I'm Christine Clemens. I'm Michelle DeTore. And today we're talking about Camp Lejeune. So before we get into the law and all the conditions that are associated with what happened in Camp Lejeune, Lejeune, excuse me, it's not the first time or the only time I'm going to do that. Um, (laughs) Do you want to just go through a little bit of the history of what happened at that particular, uh, in that particular area before we get started? Sure. So Camp Lejeune is a military base. Um, It's an installation and there were um, service members and um, family members who were there. and about one million military personnel and family members were stationed there um, at this Marine Corps base um, or Marine Air Corps Station New River between 1953 and 1987 when um, exposures to hazardous um, chemicals were uh, found to have taken place there. Mm-hmm. So basically what this means is that anyone who was working and living on the base, who was drinking water, who was bathing, washing mm-hmm. dishes, swimming, etc., cetera, um, with water contaminated there, um, and there were three uh, treatment facilities that mm-hmm. they found um, that were contaminated, were exposed. Um, sure. And uh, what they found, I mentioned chemicals, they found um, volatile organic compounds, mm-hmm. commonly referred to as VOCs, um, such as dry cleaning solvent, degreasers, and almost 70 other hazardous yeah. chemicals. Not good. There's a lot of bad stuff there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the treatment facilities were contaminated by, basically there's a nearby dry cleaning company, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's how you get those dry cleaning yep. solvents. Um, and uh, there were also leaking underground storage tanks. Um, that had contaminated the groundwater, I'm assuming. Exactly. Yep. That was pretty extensive throughout yeah. the base. Um, there were industrial area spills and waste disposal sites. Um, so there were PCEs, which is, uh, I'm, I might butcher this a little <laughs> bit, uh, perchloroethylene. Um, there were TCEs, which is trichloroethylene, benzene. Uh, there was trans-1, 2-DCE, and these were byproducts of the degrading chemicals of the mm-hmm. TCE, and PCE, and benzene, um, and there was vinyl chloride. Those are the main um, uh, it, things that we see, those chemicals sure, that were, sure. were particularly hazardous um, that have been uh, found to be linked to a number of conditions, and I think what we're going to do is we'll talk a little bit more about what those conditions are, yeah, um, and, and certainly this is only the tip of the iceberg. This mm-hmm. is what we know now. Yeah. Yes. Um, this is what the research shows us now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certainly, um, I believe, more on the horizon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, according to the Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry, um, for most of the months within that period, which is, you know, 34 year period, um, on base water balls contain limits above the EPA's guidelines um, for all of those chemicals. Sure. And um, the thing that I think we've all talked about um, offline finding pretty interesting is that the um, wells that they had on base, um, they first discovered contamination in these wells in 1982. 
three years later, in 1985, those wells were finally mm -hmm. shut down. Um, so in 2012, Congress passed the Honoring America's Veterans and Caring for Camp Lejeune Families Act, um, and that granted some benefits to families who had been exposed. And then in 2017, they passed additional um, an additional statute that allowed for um, benefits for veterans yep. um, similar to uh, their service-connected uh, disability benefits, sure. um, which um, I think you're going to talk more about the, yep, the disability benefits. Yep. And Michelle, I'm going to turn it over to you to talk a little bit more about the medical conditions and the medical benefits. Yeah, sure. So as Christine mentioned, in 2012, VA passed the Honorary American Veterans and Caring for Camp Lejeune Families Act. So what this essentially did was it provided health care benefits to veterans who served on active duty in Camp Lejeune, as mm -hmm. well as family members who were also might be eligible for health care cost benefits that were also there while sure. the veteran was on active duty. That's a little different than how a lot of other sort of contaminants or, or other uh, yeah. ways that veterans' families might have been exposed to these things that they dealt with it. So it's it's a pretty unique situation, actually. Yeah, I think it's very unique to see yeah. them first come out with health care benefits sure. and then later decide to come out with yeah. presumptive service connection benefits, especially you don't often see family members also were considered sure. right Absolutely. away, too. Absolutely. I don't think that's very common either. So for family members, so we're going to talk about veterans a little bit later yep. in a minute, but for family members, there are a few things that VA requires. So first, you had to have a veteran that was on active duty uh, for 30 cumulative days at Camp Lejeune for between the period of time that Christine just talked about. So we're talking 1953 to 1987. Then you also needed to be a dependent of the veteran at the time. So a spouse, a child, you also needed to be residing at Camp Lejeune as well for 30 cumulative days. Um, and you also need to have what VA calls a qualifying medical condition. So when they first came out, they gave 15 conditions, and I apologize, I'm gonna read them off a little bit. So you have bladder cancer, breast cancer, you have esophageal cancer, female infertility, hepatic steatosis, kidney cancer, leukemia, lung cancer, miscarriages, um, multiple myeloma, mild dysplastic syndromes, uh, neurobehavioral effects, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, renal toxicity, and scleroderma. So this is what they came out originally with, mm -hmm. and they provided health care benefits, and they provide them to the veteran and a family member that does have one of these conditions. Um, so I think it's good to know that if you're not a veteran, you're not entitled to VA compensation benefits. Yep, absolutely. It's really just healthcare <clears throat> benefits. And this is something I actually didn't know, is that it's different depending on the years of Camp Lejeune service. I didn't know there was gonna be a difference. So I'll start with a longer period. So if it's from 57 to 87, then the effective date for when you're entitled to um, healthcare cost reimbursement, so out of pocket expenses you're paying for healthcare, um, is actually August 2012. But if, you, if you're talking service for from 53 to 56, it actually is from December 2014. So something I also thought was interesting and I think people to be aware of is that they'll pay out-of-pocket expenses for, you know, obviously the data claim, but also mm -hmm. up to two years prior to your data claim. So I think when you're talking about now you're getting ready to file, you know, what do you need? Sure, sure, absolutely. So one of the things I think is important is to have the medical documentation. So like your medical expenses, what you had, um, you also, you know, want to show that you have the medical condition. They do require that you have a, um, that you talk about with the onset date. I think that maybe is to show that it didn't predate, you know, the time that you were there. 
Um, but there's also evidence that you want to show when submitting your application. So you want to show that you are married to the married or dependent of the veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, so birth certificates, marriage marriage certificates that you were there. So you can use um, you know the active duty records as well as the veteran to show that they were there during that period. You can also show any maybe electric bills or or anything that shows at that point in time, you know, utility bills that you were there. Um, and then um, the other thing they require is um, a form. So when you're actually doing your application, there's a form you fill out. It's called um, a 10-168B. It's VA a, loves forms. Yeah, they love forms. And it's very important <laughs> to know the number. Um, this is actually a unique form because when you go onto VA's website, usually they're all you know quickly located there. It actually redirects you outside of VA's exact website into another one where you can complete it online. Um, they give you the option of completing it online, mm-hmm. and they give you the option of mailing it or faxing it. Okay. I was surprised that you don't actually fax it to the evidence intake center. You actually fax it or send it to a different address, which is located on the form. So that's something to be very mindful of mm-hmm. when you are submitting it that, you know, your husband or your father or, you know, whoever it might have been that um, was a veteran might be submitting their claim and their benefits to the regional offices and the evidence intake center, but you're not going to be sending it there. You're actually going to be sending it to a different place. Um, it's a financial services center in Austin, Texas, but it is located on the form with their address, phone number, and fax number. Um, so the form, just so again, is at hundred as a 10-168B. It's the Camp Lejeune Family Members Program Treating Physician Report. Um, so, and then you you also have um, the application that goes with that. So that's just something to be mindful of when you're looking up for the sure. application. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's sort of that's how you would apply if you were a family member mm-hmm. or dependent and met the met the the qualifications. And maybe the form is sort of separate because it's not technically like a, a veterans benefits in right. the, like a veterans benefits part of it. So we're going to turn to that now, though. Um, so the rules for um, service members are going to be a little bit different. The way that the law works is going to be a little bit different. Um, so when you're talking about Camp Lejeune, uh, I think what's most important is understand that there are some presumptive conditions um, that veterans can apply, apply for benefits for. So before I go into exactly what those conditions are, and I'll list them, I have an easier task than Michelle did, <laughs> um, just because on the pronunciation front, but a presumption means that um, uh, you don't have to provide competent and credible evidence, usually medical evidence, that your in-service incident, the exposure in this case, is medically related to the condition that you have. It's just presumed, and that's why they call it a presumption. So you don't have to meet that extra hurdle. We have information uh, on our website about, you know, and we're going to get into direct service connection, the the service connection in general, but that's just good to know that it's a little bit easier. VA has made it a little bit easier for veterans that were at, at Camp Lejeune and have certain disabilities to get service connection and compensation for those disabilities. So what's the specific Camp Lejeune presumptive policy? So. Um, you have to have lived or worked at Camp Lejeune or uh, New River um, for at least 30 cumulative, day, 30 cumulative days between the all-important 1953 and 1987. And you have to not be dishonorably discharged because um, that would be a bar to and that's it's a pretty complicated topic actually but just for <laughs> the cliff notes yes. that would be a bar to VA benefits. Um, so. What are the presumptive conditions? And I'm just gonna read from the list because I don't have this memorized. There's um, 
uh, adult leukemia, there's a plastic anemia, bladder cancer, kidney cancer, liver cancer, multiple myeloma, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and Parkinson's disease. So you might have realized that some of the conditions for health benefits purposes yep. for family members and some of the presumptive conditions are exactly the same. The lists aren't both exactly the same, but yep. there are some, there is some overlap between the two. <clears throat> so, um, whereas family members can only get healthcare benefits, veterans can get both the healthcare benefits as well as VA disability compensation for those presumptive conditions. So um, we're not going to get into the level of compensation you can get because all of these disabilities would be rated a bit differently, but um, just bear in mind you, as a veteran you can get both the healthcare and actually monthly payments based on the severity of your condition. And just notably uh, and importantly, uh, Christine, you noted that there is an effective date, right? Provision of, was it March 2017? 2017, yes. So if you filed, and we're going to get into this, but if you filed a claim before March 2017, you can still get service connection for these conditions, but it wouldn't be on a presumptive basis, right? Correct. That's the effect of the effective date. You would have to show the, the more traditional elements of direct service connection, which was in-service incurrence, which would be the exposure to the water, the currently diagnosed disability, well, the disability most easily currently diagnosed, and then an actual nexus or a connection between the two, which is usually medical evidence. So if you, if you have a claim prior to March 2017, you're going to have to show the traditional elements of service connection, but however, after that date, the presumption can apply. So that's just sort of important to know. Um, and as in most cases, um, the evidence that's going to help you most, and this is sort of related to what you were talking about, Michelle, evidence that you were there for the required amount of time. Um, that can be through your service records, evidence that um, you were at the base, you, it'd be similar, you find go to your service records for that. And then of course, medical evidence of your current disability would help to sort of move the case along. Um, and so for filing a claim for these conditions, um, I don't think, uh, from my understanding, there's no specific claim form for Camp Lejeune only cases as there is for the healthcare. Is that is that no? There's just the form that you use to file a claim generally, generally yeah. for benefits um, from the Veterans Benefits Administration. And that could also be found on uh, VA's website. Yes, yes, and you won't be redirected. Exactly, with that you one. can't do that one just <laughs> online. You'd have to send it to the Evidence yes. Intake Center, uh, like you would with all other claims. So you, you can do it online if you do it through eBenefits. Through so if you e have an eBenefits e account, you could do it, but you can't just send it through yeah. VA's um, website just on their site and upload through there. It is interesting how similar yeah. exposures, completely different processes. Uh, but um, not to get confusing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> very very straightforward. <laughs> um, and so the evidence that you would use for direct service connection just quickly would be similar, except there would be that additional requirement that you want to keep in mind that you need some sort of medical evidence showing that your exposure is what caused your condition prior to 2017. And the evidence that you'd show otherwise would be very similar, if not exactly the same. And some of the evidence, so, you know, these conditions, both um, for medical benefits and for disability benefits, there was a lot of research that went into mm -hmm. this. You know, I mentioned that Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry, I always call it ASTER, but I don't know that that's 
how you would say that acronym, but um, there's a lot of really good information that they, you know, they did community meetings. They had a mm -hmm. lot of scientific research that went into um, figuring out sure. what conditions were, were being caused or were in some way linked to these exposures. Yeah. That evidence that formed the basis of, of the law change can also be submitted Sure. Um, related to a claim for direct service connection. Yep. In other words, if you're trying to get an effective date before that March 15, 2017 um, date when, when the law went into effect, sure. you can use that as medical evidence of a nexus or of a link between exposure sure. and development of these yeah. conditions. And that would be enough to say to the VA, hey, I think this is related to this. It's the same evidence upon sure, which absolutely. the law now says that it's related. Um, and that would be enough to trigger the VA's duty to assist mm -hmm. in um, helping the, the veteran or the claimant it uh, obtain an exam. <laughs> Correct. It absolutely. should be sufficient. Because the toxic chemicals didn't start causing Parkinson's disease on March whatever day, right. 2017, right? right. There's, there's, a, there's a biological yeah. chemical medical link between the exposures and the conditions. So that's really that's really great advice. Right. Um, so the other thing is um, that we had talked about the 30 days cumulative yep. and I just wanted to clarify on that. Um, you know, a lot of times um, Marines were coming in and out of Camp Lejeune. Mm -hmm. They might have been there for a couple weeks. They might have been there for a couple days at a time. Now it's cumulative, so all of that time together, not in consecutive, order to, not consecutive. Yep. All that time together Absolutely. gets added mm -hmm. up for the purposes of triggering yep. um, both of these uh, laws that we talked about. The other thing to note is that while the presumption for the presumption to apply, you have to have been there for thirty days. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to get direct service connection, so service connection for a period before the presumption takes mm -hmm. place, um, or if you don't meet the criteria within the presumption, maybe you were only there for 29 days, yep. you could still try to establish that that is sufficient. To, that exposure for 29 days was sufficient yeah. to have um, caused the conditions sure. that you now have. The, real, the strict requirements that I went over for the presumption are just for that easing of proving that your exposure caused those particular disabilities. Absolutely, that's a really great point. And something we wanted to note um, is that these rules can apply, right, to guardsmen mm -hmm. and reservists, mm -hmm. um, but that can be complicated. So if yes. you um, were in the guard, you were a reservist, you were at Camp Lejeune, um, you know, uh, we would definitely suggest that you reach out to um, an advocate that might be able to help you make that case because the, the rules are going to be really, the rules about the, um, you know, how you would go about direct service connection and everything would be similar, but the, but some of the rules are a little bit more complicated and it would probably be wise to get some help. Exactly. So, <laughs> so all that being said, um, you had uh, great advice about using for direct service connection purposes the uh, all the information that VA developed when they were coming up with the laws about whether um, you know certain conditions are caused by exposure. Michelle, is there anything that particularly stuck out to you that we might want to let uh, let people know about? the Camp Lejeune issue we've been talking about today? I think it's really important to know we're listing off a bunch of conditions that VIA has conceded. Yep. 
it doesn't mean that your condition isn't going to be something that VA will award. Um, it's just you don't have that presumption. So you sure. will have to get that medical nexus or medical opinion linking your condition to your exposure. Um, but just because VA hasn't yet acknowledged it as presumed to have been caused by the exposure doesn't mean it, it, it isn't. Um, so that's just something to be very mindful of. But again, you will need that medical yeah. opinion. And that the it might change. Yeah. I don't think I haven't particularly. I don't know of anything like on the on the horizon mm -hmm. um, that would change the presumptive conditions. But um, I mean, looking at Agent Orange, the presumptive conditions that have been um, yep. you know added to uh, the books over the, all the years since Vietnam have increased. So this is a very new area of of the law, of VA law. The presumption is very new. Um, so that certainly doesn't mean it's going to be static. Right. And, you know, again, this is such a huge period of time. Yeah. You know, when we're talking about Agent Orange exposure, we're talking about like a, you know, 12 year period approximately. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, or, or even less. Yeah. Yeah. When we're talking about this, we're talking about a 34 year period. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's really important to note that scientists are, are always going to be researching and they're sure. still researching to figure out if there are any additional conditions that they could add. And, um, so I, I, as I said at the beginning, I think this is only the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing that I wanted to note regarding dependents is, um, and Michelle talked about this, for the medical benefits, the dependents who would be eligible for that had to have been there. Yep. They actually had to have been there. Mm -hmm. And they had to have been dependents at the time that they were there. Um, whereas for, um, for benefits, for, um, for the disability benefits, mm -hmm. If uh, a veteran is filing a claim, they can file for their current dependence, whereas the medical condition, their current dependence yeah, yeah. or dependence that Absolutely. they had after yep. they were there, even if they have medical conditions, don't qualify under that medical, yep. Um, yep. Uh, the, the laws pertaining to the medical coverage. The other thing I wanted to note is that if someone is a survivor, mm -hmm. surviving spouse or a surviving dependent child, of a um, veteran that they would similarly be entitled to benefits as they would for compensation benefits yep. um, for survivors benefits based on these conditions under the presumption mm -hmm. and they could also file yes. again with that um, that direct theory yeah absolutely well I think that those are some great closing thoughts so if you all don't have anything else no. So I think we'll wrap it there. Thank you very much for tuning in to another edition. This episode of the Veterans Legal Lowdown was produced by Chisholm, Chisholm & Kilpatrick, a law firm representing veterans nationwide in their VA disability claim. If you're interested in a free case evaluation with CCK, give us a call at 844-549-4500 or visit our website at cck-law.com.